Hello, everybody. After a brief hiatus, the UMass IPM Fruit Loop is back. For now, it's just me, your old friend and Apple nerd, Hawkeye. With luck, as the season gets underway, I can convince others to contribute their voices and perspectives. Until then, I have a little something special for you. In today's episode, I will delve into the bitter and complex world of Apple Bitter Rock. Historically, bitter rot has only occurred sporadically here in Massachusetts. It has, however, been around for a very long time. But recently, we have seen it become more and more of an issue. Bitter rot symptoms were first described on Apple in England in 1856. The first record in the U.S. that I could find of Colatoctricum, referring to anthracnose, not bitter rot, was in 1898. The first report of glomerella leaf spot in the U.S. was 1998 in Tennessee. So even though these pathogens have been around for a really long time, it is only relatively recently that we have identified them as causal agents of disease. The first report of Colatoctricum fiorinae, which I'll get to in a minute, causing post-harvest bitter rot in the US was in 2013 in Pennsylvania. This was reported on the cultivar Nittany. Part of the issue around these first reports in the history of Colatoctricum of bitter rot or anthracnose, depending on the host, is that the pathogen itself is actually a complex of pathogens. It's not just one fungal pathogen. Or, for that matter, just one complex of pathogens. In fact, there are 16 recognized Colatoctricum complexes in the world, and within each of these complexes there are hundreds upon hundreds of individual species. Because there are so many species causing bitter rot on apple, it is impractical to list all of the first reports. I'm just trying to give you a rough understanding of the historical landscape here. We are really primarily concerned with two complexes on apple in the US, at least in the Northeast. Within the Colatoctricum acutatum complex, there are three primary species that we are concerned with. Within the Colatoctricum glorious varieties complex, we are concerned primarily with seven species of Colatoctricum that cause disease. However, the complexity of these pathogens is so great that the literature is not always clear as to which species within which complex and which complex is actually there causing the disease in the region in the first place. On top of that, even though there are three Colatoctricum acutatum species that we're primarily concerned with and seven Colatoctricum varieties species that we're concerned with, there are actually more than 20 different species in each of those complexes alone, let alone all of the other complexes that do actually have the ability to cause disease in our crops. It's, you're gonna hear this joke an awful lot, so just bear with me guys, wicked complex. All right, let's focus back in here though. In the Northeast, the species most often identified in diseased fruit is Colatoctricum fiorinae, which is also an entomopathogen affecting hemlock scale in addition to hemlock scale, other insects, apple. Colatoctricum fiorinae is known to infect strawberry and a significant number of other plants in the landscape to include even poison ivy. As far as the appearance of bitter rot goes, we have all unfortunately become rather familiar with it. 
It first starts out as dark sunken lesions. Sometimes there is a red ring around that lesion. As the lesion grows, you can see concentric salmon to pink sporulation. Or before those spores show up, you can see dark acervuli, which are the fruiting bodies also in those concentric rings. When you cut a bitter rot lesion open, you tend to see the rot progress in a distinct cone shape towards the center of the apple. Whereas with something like white rot or bitter rot, you're going to see rot progress straight through the flesh down to the core. But wait, that's not all. Not only do these Colotarchicum species cause disease in the fruit, but they also cause issues in the leaves. It's really important to be able to differentiate between all of these different leaf spots. So we've got Marsamina, Glomerella, Necrotic Leaf Spot. Some of them are fungal pathogens, some of them are physiological. And we need to know which pathogen, if it's a pathogen, is causing this. We're seeing sporadic reports of Glomerella Leaf Spot, which we tend to think of as a southern disease here in Massachusetts. But we also used to think of bitter rot as a southern disease. However, the pathogens that cause glomerella leaf spot within the Colotoctricum gliosporoides complex have been identified in the Northeast. With this particular pathogen, leaf sanitation is in fact very important to reduce inoculum as species in this complex are known to reproduce sexually, whereas species in the Colotoctricum acutatum complex do not reproduce sexually in field settings. Hang on here a second. Moving forward, if I say CG, I mean Colotoctricum gliosporoides complex. If I say CA, I mean Colotoctricum acutatum complex. So we don't have to listen to me trip over saying these things a million times as we go forward here. So, fungi in the CG complex reproduce sexually. Why does that matter? Because they are physiologically built to project their spore forcefully out of those fruiting bodies. So that means that that spore is gonna go further. And this is why sanitation really matters. So if you have an oculum on your orchard floor and that spore is biologically built to fly far, it's gonna get up into the canopy where you've got susceptible tissue. Whereas the fungi in the CA complex only reproduce asexually in the field. That means that their biology does not enable them to shoot as far as the sexual spores do. Now that doesn't mean that sanitation isn't important for fungi in the CA complex. It just means it's a little bit different. Reproductive habits aren't the only thing that differentiate the CA and the CG species complexes. Another reason that it's so important to understand these various complexes and the pathogens contained within them is that they have different climatic optima at which they operate. So CG, which does in fact cause both leaf spot and bitter rot of the fruit, has a higher temperature optima than that of CA. We tend to think that we're dealing with the acutatum species complex here in the Northeast, especially in Massachusetts. But we do have the potential to have both of these complexes and their economically significant pathogens present. One study showed that within one orchard in a single season, both species complexes were present. The optimum temperature for CG disease development is 86 Fahrenheit. 
It's typically known as a vegetative tissue pathogen, but it does affect fruit. The CA species complex, on the other hand, is happy at about 10 degrees cooler. Its temperature optima is 77 degrees Fahrenheit. Both require high humidity. The CA species complex is best known for infecting the fruit. It can infect vegetative tissue. However, it does so without causing disease. There was a study two or three years ago in Northeast that showed CA survived as an endophyte in leaves in the forest and many understory plants as well. But since there is no known sexual phase of the Acutatum species complex in the field, that is not likely to be a significant source of inoculum in an orchard except in extreme storms. Because those conidia, the asexual spores, are rain splash dispersed. They do not travel nearly as far, for example, as the sexual spores do when they're dispersed. So yes, it occurs as an endophyte in the field, but there is relatively low likelihood that the spores that are existing as endophytes in the forest edges are causing significant damage in your orchard. The bigger issue, of course, is that the asexual spores or the asexual fruiting bodies overwinter on dead woody tissue and mummies. So really, when you're dealing with bitter rot in your orchards here, the bigger issue appears to be inoculum from within the tree itself. Species from both the CG and CA complexes have been detected in the Northeast. C. fiorinae is the most commonly identified species within the Colatoctrochum acutatum complex. Species within the CG complex are less often found. Now, mind you, the most recent study that I have found that has assessed the pathogen population here in the Northeast, Southern New England specifically, was from 2016. It was just the one study. Before that, there were two or three studies that showed that C. fiorinae was affecting hemlock scale in New York and southern New England. So not a whole lot of information for us to go on here in Massachusetts specific to our concerns. However, we do know that, as I mentioned before, this CA complex, its pathogens, or the fungi within it, are rain splash dispersed. So they're not traveling so far. But it means that the dead tissues that you see in the canopy, especially as you're pruning, really do need to be removed. Mummies and pruning debris should be, at the very least, tossed into the drive row for destruction. The inoculum load itself, the spore count if you will, increases from late dormancy all the way through fruit set. And of course it continues through harvest. And that's how you wind up with those post-harvest infection issues. It really is important to get the mummies out of your canopy and put them into the drive row. One study showed that by tossing mummies into the drive row, you were not only speeding their decay as a result of increased humidity and moisture in the grass, as compared to bare soil in the trees, but also removing the inoculum source from direct proximity to susceptible tissue in the canopy. So, no mummies. Host resistance is always a really good first step for preventing a pathogen from getting established in your orchard. Unfortunately, with Colatoctrichum, especially bitter rot, there's no known cultivar that is fully resistant to these pathogens. Some have been shown to be less susceptible, but it varies. I found research that shows that Honeycrisp is particularly susceptible, and then I found a bunch of other research that says Honeycrisp is less susceptible. We here, however, are seeing that Honeycrisp can be particularly hard hit in Massachusetts. I received a report this year from a grower uh, saying that Cortlands and Empires had also been hit really badly this year with bitter rot. That's 2023 growing season. So while we can in theory reduce the severity of disease occurrence, the fact of the matter is, is that Honeycrisp is our top dollar apple and we're gonna continue to grow it regardless of whether or not it's susceptible to bitter rot. One option to reduce some of the pressure within our Honeycrisp would be to plant alternating rows of less susceptible varieties, ensuring of course that they bloom at the same time. Other varieties that have been reported as highly susceptible are Arkansas Black, Cripps Pink, Enterprise, Gala, Johnna Gold, 
and Mutsu has been found to be relatively resistant. Unfortunately, the complexity of dealing with these Colotoctopum species does not end just with the variety of fungal species that exist out in the world. They also have a tendency to develop resistance to fungicides. The CG complex especially has been noted as a model group of pathogens developing fungicide resistance. CA species are considered to be naturally resistant to T-methyl, that's topsin. They just aren't sensitive to that particular fungicide. Additionally, resistance has been observed to certain FRAC11 fungicides. This proclivity for developing resistance to fungicides makes rotation really important. Unfortunately, there haven't been any consistent good results using biologicals or systemic acquired resistance materials. It's inconsistent, but there is relatively, again, limited information available. So this seems like a space where more work could be useful. Before I delve into chemistries to use against bitter rot, remember the label is the law. Be sure that you verify the pest crop combination you are dealing with is expressly listed on the label before making any pesticide application. Additionally, mention of any specific material does not imply that said material is better than another. The multi-sites, both Minkazeb and Captan, are effective. Yesterday at the annual winter Massachusetts Fruit Growers Association meeting, I was reminded that Xyram is also an effective material. And if you are using oil and don't want to use Captan, Xyram might be a option for you as well. Luna Sensation, Pristine, and Maravon are premixes with a FRAC 11 and 7 that are effective. As with any premix, you need to be careful not to rotate with another material containing either premix partner. Omega, rated as good. This year I did have one grower tell me they had excellent results with Omega, a FRAC 29, uh, but it can be pricey. Profite, not effective on its own, however, when mixed with Captan or Mancazeb, makes the application highly effective. I do not, however, expect you to remember all of this information and have it ready at the top of your mind. If you do not already have the My IPM app on your phone, I highly encourage you to download it. It's free. It's updated regularly. You can also use the online New England Tree Fruit Management Guide by visiting netreefruit.org. When you are thinking of season-long protection, you have a few options through Petalfall, that Captan and Mancazeb, or Captan plus Profite, or Mancazeb plus Profite are all going to give you excellent coverage in protecting you from early season infections. There's also some research that shows that adding calcium to your cover sprays earlier in the season than when you would normally add calcium helps reduce the incidence and severity of disease development. Obviously, calcium itself is not a standalone treatment. After Petalfall, you have a couple of rotational options. I mentioned Omega earlier, also, Flint and Maravon are post-Petalfall options. Remember, Flint and Maravon both are or have FRAC 11 in them, and so they are not appropriate rotational partners. Understanding the climatic factors that contribute to the development of this disease can help us understand when we need to manage bitter rot and prevent early infections that can lead to later outbreaks. The temperature optima we have discussed are not necessarily when those early infections get started, but they give us a good framework to use for management. The CG complex prefers warmer temperatures. So again, we're looking at about 86 degrees Fahrenheit with the humidity from 80 to 100%. Now this is optimum. This doesn't actually talk about the minimum range at which an infection can become established. The CA species complex temperature optima is 77 degrees Fahrenheit and also likes high humidity. 
When these conditions exist for about five hours, it's sufficient for infection and disease development to occur. These spores germinate in free water and they can occur on sound fruit. There do not have to be wounds on these fruits in order for this infection to get started, although that certainly helps lead to greater infection when there are wounds on the fruit. Historically, we haven't thought of bitter rot as occurring in our orchards until later in the summer when we have consistent high temperatures, but I don't need to tell you that our weather recently has not been typical. So why us? Why now? In 2023, we had seven potential infection events before July, which is when we would normally expect to see conditions conducive for disease development. Seven different rain events with temperatures high enough that infection could have been caused. Now that's the optimum temperature by one or both of these Colatoctocum species that we have present here. Most of these seven events saw conditions conducive for the CG species complex. All of them were conducive to CA. One of the other challenges that we're experiencing with these shifting climatic events is that we're actually seeing an increase in extreme rain events. Between 1958 and 2022, we have seen an increase in rain events in which we saw two or more inches of rain, three or more inches of rain, four or more inches of rain, and five or more inches of rain. Each of these event types has increased at nearly 50% or more over this time frame. This means that not only do we have climatic factors present to cause disease, but we may also be seeing fungicide wash off. There are a few factors that could potentially be contributing to this increase in bitter rot incidents in our orchards besides climate change. In 1990, the Mancozeb labels changed so that we only have a 77-day pre-harvest interval. So that's a, an effective material that we can't use full season. Our knowledge of these pathogens does continue to evolve. We actually are still discovering more and more information that will help us manage bitter rot and leaf spot, but it's still not as well understood as, for example, apple scab. Of course, we're seeing more susceptible cultivars like Honeycrisp and Crips Pink and more later maturing varieties as well. For now, that's all we have on Bitter Rot. Don't forget to stay tuned. We will be posting part of Dr. Jason Londo's talk. He was kind enough to come and join us at the Massachusetts Fruit Growers Association annual winter meeting on January 24th, 2024. So if you missed that, keep listening and we'll see you soon. Take care now.